Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Guile. Hey, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. Elise. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm barely legible on Tumblr and barely underscore legible on Instagram. And Tina. Hi, I'm Tina, and you can find me on Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. Great. Um, so, welcome. Uh, this episode is a special ep, as it is, a, I guess, a revisit of our favorite chapters. And if I'm not mistaken, this is one of Chicky's picks. Yep. <laughs> so good she picked it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the little giggle. Okay, so this is A Dance with Dragons, Davos 2. Just kidding, it's Davos 3. <laughs> Oh, that would be bad. <laughs> like Davos 2 would be such a weird chapter to have in your <laughs> Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> okay, so as always, uh, standard spoiler warnings for the A Song of Ice and Fire books, potentially Game of Thrones uh, television series. Uh, let's go right into it. We have uh, Davos Seaworth. He's um, taken to a hypernautical themed court of Wyman Manderley. <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, quite, right. the, quite the it's like a below deck theme party. <laughs> I was thinking it was like a, a skipper's on like crack or something like that. It's just really out of control. It's like, like a terrible themed restaurant kind of. Yeah, yeah that's the vibe yeah. I was getting, like an old school red lobster with the wood paneling <laughs> kind of vibe. <laughs> well I, I did before, but now I did. Delicious, <laughs> you know? I'd like to eat there. <laughs> I've heard those biscuits are good, right? <laughs> Biscuits rock. Anyway, this is already off the rails. Here we go. <laughs> so uh, Davos takes note of his um, the large girth of uh, Wyman Manderley and the pallid look of his skin, thinking he looks half a corpse. He's surrounded by women, young boys, and elderly men. Also, a bunch of unfriendly-looking members of the house fray. Davos is asked to kneel. He will not, as he has Stannis's hand. I just love like these like internal affirmations Davos just like gives himself throughout. It's kind of adorable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Davos. He just definitely mm-hmm. has like a little bracelet, like a "What would Stannis do?" <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, Lord Wyman accuses Stannis of robbing from them before, and Davos shows his left hand with his shortened fingers. And there's a plump lady that um, is on a stool. Uh, she tells him that he got off cheaply. Davos agrees internally anyway (laughs) he requests a private audience with Wyman and uh, he doesn't want to speak in front of the phrase Manderley denies the request telling Davos that Stannis may have enemies in this hall I do not not even the men who slew your son Davos replies as he points to the phrase 
um, there's a long, lean Frey who steps forward and proclaims the Red Wedding was the young wolf's work. He goes on to claim the Starks were all wolves, um, would have killed Walder too if they had, if it wasn't for brave Wendell Manderley. Davos I love this. Oh. I love this werewolf propaganda thing that they go with. It's so funny. Well, and it's just like too. You hear it with um, Sansa, like when Jamie and Brienne yeah. hear about the Red Wedding, and you know Sansa turned into a wolf and. Like, damn, if these Starks really could turn into wolves, this would have worked out much better for them. It's like one of those rare, like, damn, if we, were, if only we were werewolves, this would, this would be a very different story. Which, actually, that would be a fun parody if the Starks were actually werewolves. <laughs> well, there's probably a fic like that somewhere. I imagine there must be. <laughs> right now, Kama's is listening to this and, like, furiously oh, searching. No. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie, I had that visual in my head as well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see Davos asks for the man's name and his response is Sir Jared of House Frey and then he replies Jared of House Frey I name you liar <laughs> and this is just yeah. the best right <laughs> how often do you want to use that in your real life like I, I name use like, it all the time <laughs> I do use it that's what you don't understand I do use it you it's have? so good. I mean, like, you know, the the books have a few of these moments where you just kind of like fist pump, you know, and this for me was a huge one because, you know, I'm, I'm such a huge Stark fan. And it's like you're just like waiting for other people to be like, this was all bullshit. And it's like Davos, <laughs> you know, is like, no, that was bullshit. Like The phrases are like totally out of line here you know i love it i love every bit of it well and it's especially yep. great because it would be really easy for him to be like well hey this works out great for stannis but you know there's still that principle there of like no this is this is this is bullshit and people need to know yeah i love how it just kind of like underscores how heinous the phrase crime was <laughs> it's like even people who were technically enemies of the starks are like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. wait what did you do <laughs> it's just like the enormity and the, like you know they're talking about how they're even smirking when they're saying it you know like it's like they've got Wyman over the barrel and they're just you know they're just enjoying it you know they're enjoying this moment of being able to tell this gross this gross ridiculous lie and having him not be able to do anything about it now remind can can somebody remember because I couldn't and I didn't have a chance to look back like who is it that has connected the phrase to this family because like, I remember bits and um, pieces. But... Rhaegar Rhaegar Frey is um, betrothed to um, Winifred, who's the older oh. granddaughter. Okay. And then I just think in general, um, I'm imagining that like the phrase are kind of there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's actually a good question. Like, why are the phrase there? Well, the phrase are there because they're bringing back Manderly's son. Okay. Because they had him captive for the longest time. And part of no, no, like, Manderly proving that he was like faithful to the Lannisters was by betrothing his granddaughter. So then they're bringing his son back. No. So he's like feasting that's, them and stuff. No, that's I don't not think that, quite yet. That's Jamie. The next yeah, Jamie sends back his son, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh. So this is Jamie. so okay. Wendell's the one. So unless they're bringing back like Wendell's bones, perhaps like that's the one who died at the red wedding. But then also, I suppose like checking. I mean, are they basically being the they're enforcer? Just checking they're checking in. in. Yeah, yeah, they're checking the in. Yeah, that's what they're it setting is. Setting everything up for what yeah. I was just talking about. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, as we delve deeper in, we're going to see that Wyman's very much aware of, you know, what they're doing there. 
<clears throat> so uh, Jared wants to fight Davos right then and there, and uh, Wyman tells him to keep his sword sheathed. He'll have no blood in his court. So uh, is there a decent, like, here's a here's a side question for you a lot. Okay, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> is there a decent Jared? Like, I think of Jared Frey, I think of Jared Subway Fisher, Jared. and I think of, like, Jared from Subway. So, like, is there a decent <laughs> oh, I know Jared, what? or is this just one oh, of those wait. cursed names? Well, it depends on perspective, but there's Jared the Goblin King. <laughs> oh, <laughs> lordy. <laughs> Probably for the most part bad, so yeah. I was going to say, is he even that good? No. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the Jared on Silicon Valley. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, Jared, but he's actually named Donald. Oh, you're right. It's not even his real name. <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just like a terrible cursed name anyway. You're going to get some hate mail from somebody named I Jared. Hope, like, you know that. Tell, write us good Jareds. Tell us about the good Jareds. You know, not hashtag not all Jareds. Well, I hope they <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not all Jareds. <laughs> I hope we do get mail. <laughs> and you'll have to prove yourself, Jared. We will judge. Yeah. Some receipts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the woman on the stool, who is um, one of his daughter-in-laws, Leona, warns Wyman of even granting an audience with Davos. She speaks her concern of Queen Cersei questioning their loyalty. And then Davos calls Tommen a usurper. He proclaims um, that he is the hand of Stannis, the true-born king of Westeros. Um, the maester reminds him of the laws of succession, and Davos doubles down and calls Tommen bastard born from incest. <laughs> I mean... But not... adorable! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> he loves kittens and hates beets. <laughs> you know, that is the thing. If Davos was to actually encounter Tommen, he would love him, because he's oh, Dadvos, God. and he has to adopt everybody. <laughs> like, he'd be like, oh, you sweet little thing, come, I will take care of you. You sweet little incestuous beast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was not the most diplomatic approach, but, you know, you gotta love Davos <laughs> in this moment. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, if you think, you know, knowing what we know is going to happen later on, it's sort of like, the diplomatic approach would have done him no good. You're right. Like, his yeah. brute honesty is what I think probably ends up appealing to the Manderleys here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it helps. So, let's see. One of the phrase suggests that they take his lying ton, or head, suggests Jared Frey. Um, or he can Jared. <laughs> Jared. Or he can meet me on the field of honor. And I just love this retort from Davos. And what would a Frey know of honor? It's like, yes. More fist pumping. This is the th I mean, this is why every time somebody's like, oh, I don't really like Davos or he's boring, I'm like, did you fucking read Dance? How can you not oh love God. Davos? Who doesn't love understand? Davos? Who? Yeah, who are these people? <laughs> I mean, the, you have your answer. They, they read Dance, but they actually, they were reading it to see what happens with, like, the plot right. without reading the actual words written, you know? Right. It's the same way people, like, don't like, you know, Brienne, like... Well, you're reading, you, you were trying to read something that wasn't there. You weren't actually reading what was on the page. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Because it's like these little just hero moments. Or maybe it's people who don't really understand. It's like, you know, Davos has nothing to gain in calling out the phrase this hard. You know, I mean, that's he's really just no, there to just, try to like, gauge where what? Manderley's at. Yeah. yeah, he just can't stand how <laughs> loathsome they are. Yeah. And can't keep his mouth shut. I love it. <laughs> 
So uh, Maester Theromer tells Davos if he has proof of this incest, and uh, Davos thinks of Edric Storm, but he's gone. Instead, he offers, I have the word of Stannis Baratheon. And yeah, surprisingly, that I love really it how help. it's just like, you just <laughs> have to take Stannis's word for this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really help. <laughs> so the plump no. woman on the stool tells Davos to stop poisoning their ears and... Uh, um, she is the wife of Wyman's son, Wyless, who is, of course, a captive of the Lannisters. So, you know, he recognizes that she's speaking out of fear. Davos tries another tactic and outlines how they once supported Rob Stark against Joffrey. You know, so why not Stannis? And then Wyman counters with, who is this Stannis? He's never been north. Davos insists Stannis will help defend his lands from wildlings, Ironborn, and Sir Manderley's Marlon Manderley snorts at this. I guess that hasn't been much of a threat in recent years. Lady Leona, however, sobs over all their many enemies. She also points out that the Red Sorceress is, you know, with with Stannis's group, and um, he'd ha- she would have them forsake their seven for her demon fire god. Davos offers that he still worships as a seven, as do many of the others, hoping they don't ask him about the sept at Dragonstone. <laughs> Right, because mm-hmm. Stannis wouldn't want him to lie. Oh, oh God! I know. Oh, oh Davos is so honorable. He can't I lie know. about anything. So honorable, it hurts. Yeah. Uh, Wyman outlines the terms laid out by Tywin before he died. Um, he was to receive a full pardon. He was to get his son returned to him with ransom. He was going to lose some of his lands to Roose Bolton, but, you know, he was going to retain some of his holdings. Walder Frey was offering up his daughter to be his wife, and his sons were to marry some of the other Freys. He asks, what does Lord Stannis offer him? And Davos replies, a chance to do your duty. Together with Stannis, they can defeat their common enemies. Marlin asks how many men Stannis offers. How many men Stannis offers, and um, it's not a lot. And Davos's silence speaks <laughs> volumes. <laughs> I love these little places where it's like he's like, I don't want to have to lie, so he just like either keeps his mouth shut or just hope doesn't go into detail. His stuff eyes like just kind of drift to a back corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so, Davos, for being a smuggler, would not be a good poker player. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have, um, is that Marlin Wyman in, um, is in agreement, you know, that it's only going to be death and defeat if they join Stannis. And um, Wyman tells Davos that he's wary of his face. And then I just have a, it's a really small paragraph. Davos felt a stab of despair. His grace should have sent another man, a lord or knight or maester, someone who could speak for him without tripping on his own tongue. Death, he heard himself say. There will be death, I. Your lordship lost a son at the Red Wedding. I lost four upon the Blackwater. And why? Because the Lannisters stole the throne. Go to King's Landing and look on Tommen with your own eyes, if you doubt me. A blind man could see it. What does Stannis offer you? Vengeance. Vengeance for my son and yours, for your husbands and your fathers and your brothers. Vengeance for your murdered lord, your murdered king, your butchered princes. Vengeance. Yes. You can't really talk, Davos. (laughs) Does. Dude, he's got a 
gotta build your confidence up, man. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 So then we get the girl with the green braid to chiming in and you know, she's she's all in. She's like, Join Stannis, avenge their dead, phrase suck. <laughs> Manderly grabs his daughter, <laughs> threatening to send her to the silent sisters. He tells her to not speak ill of their friends the phrase. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, <laughs> oh that's the cutest interruption. What are you doing down here? Hold on. I'll, I'm going to pause. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Manderly grabs his daughter, threatening to send her to the silent sisters. He tells her to not speak ill of their friends, the phrase. She'll be married to one of their sons soon enough. Wyla is like, the fuck I will, basically. <laughs> well, and did you catch who her betrothed is? It's Little Walter. Yeah. Who's like, shitty Walter. Uh, even worse. Yeah, right. Like, he's, like, she's got, like, the worst one. Like, if it were Big Walter, I feel like we would all kind of ship it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't think I would. That might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so Lady Leona tells her to hush and that she knows nothing. Wyla responds she remembers their promise. Well over a thousand years ago, they swore an oath to the Starks. Maester Thurmor acknowledges this, but adds how Stark is no more. Then we get this Rhaegar Frey who, you know, chimes in and tells Wyla she should give her allegiance to Ramsay Bolton. Snow, she interrupts. <laughs> he is <laughs> <laughs> he is marrying Arya Stark and he will soon be the Lord of Winterfell. Wyla again is pretty much like, no way, he will never be their lord. Uh, he made Lady Hornwood eat her fingers. And then there's this one dude who's like, chimes in, uh-huh. you know, pretty much says, yeah, she's right. <laughs> that Ramsay is a monster. <laughs> Rhaegar tuts uh, these claims as words of their of the Bolton's enemies. He calls Rob Stark a betrayer of them all. He was a vile dog and died like one. And then we get this telling silence in the room. Lord Wyman looks at Rhaegar Frey as if he were a roach, but instead <laughs> he says, I, a dog, say on. So I'm going to stop there, but it was kind of like uh. a, yeah, a moment of well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like they're all trying to pull this. They're all basically trying to play their roles here. And, you know, there's yeah. a point where you can only, like, eat so much shit, you know? And Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and you have Sansa, you have uh, Wyla, who's like the Sansa of the Manderley family. She's like the the younger one that nobody let in on the secret of, oh, we have I to know. play this this way, you know? Well, and that's what I love about what she, I think, adds to the chapter is it she kind of fuels the element of danger that like, yes, this could easily just be an uncomfortable, you know, Thanksgiving dinner where everyone's talking (laughs) politics, but like, Uh it's like, no, these, these people could really, you know, kill each other. And this could get really hairy if, if it, you know, were allowed to escalate and. Yeah. That's a nice, like, just, that's a nice comparison though. Like the (laughs) shitty Thanksgiving dinner. Shitty Thanksgiving. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's good because it just, you know, I mean, clearly, oh, no. <laughs> well, clearly George is using Wyla to kind of, you know, like, give you a hint of what's actually going on in the Manderley family, you know, in case you were taking all of this at face value. And um, it's very cathartic for the reader. So why do you guys, like, when I was reading it, I was thinking of, you know, Wyla, but then also like, you know, Jane and Willow Heddle and Liana Stark. And I was thinking like i can't think of any examples in the series where we see like a little boy 
being the courageous one or like speaking the truth to power like those characters do. And I wonder, you know, why why do you guys think that is? Like why don't we see any of like the you know, the equivalent of a of a male um Heddle brother or, you know, a male Wyla? You know, I was thinking that same exact thing a little while ago and I was thinking it's because like the men are like pruned to like hold their tongue and listen, but women are kind of like hushed to the side a little bit, so they like are more off to speak out. I don't like know. They explode? You think? Well, not like explode, but just more. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, but that's kind of how I was thinking about it. Was like men are like trained politically, and women aren't trained politically. And I think that had something to do with it. Yeah, some of it is there's more physical threat for a man to say something like this than there is for a woman. Um, It's a weird thing where women live in, you know, constant threat of violence from men. But there are things that a man can say that would mean that he'd have to call someone out, as you see with, you know, um, Davos and and Jared Frey, where Jared Frey wants to take him outside and duel him for what he said. Whereas when a woman says something like that, nobody's going to immediately pull a sword. Well, usually not going to immediately pull a sword on her and everybody will mm-hmm. dismiss it as women's talk. But it's a weird loophole where a woman can sometimes say things that a man can't. Yeah, I think Definitely that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Well, I think, and I think, yeah, agreed. I agree with that. The first point, too, about boys being like you think about when like little Bran has to sit as the Lord of Winterfell and granted he's been he's being like fed the lines, but People just listen, you know, they're just, yeah. So even if he said something, speaking truth to power, if it, if it had some resonance, it wouldn't be that moment that it is when it's coming from a girl. But agree. Yeah, I well, agree with everything. And this is, this is a, <laughs> this is a very tropey literary thing too. This is not the only work of fiction where you see, you know, young women voicing maybe an undercurrent of a population kind of a thing that you see especially in historical stuff so do you guys think before the before the phrase got to um you know got to the merman court did they like have a meeting where everyone was like okay everyone just be cool you know like or is this like obviously okay everyone everyone knows the deal it's one of those unspoken things well i think think that's an unspoken thing go ahead oh you go ahead well, I was going to say, for me, I feel like it's, at least in some situations, they know the truth, but the truth doesn't matter because at the moment they're on the side with the most power because they're still, you know, allied with the the Lannisters and like, you know, for the moment things are still working out for them. So, you know, I think it's kind of like a, we know the truth, but it doesn't really matter, you know, so we can continue to spread our propaganda even though we know it's not True. Yeah, I mean, but from the Manderley perspective, I mean, they have, you know, it seems like they have absolutely no intention of keeping faith with the phrase. You know, they are just yeah. like biting. They're just basically, you know, they're just waiting till Willis is home and then it's, you know, game on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. that sense. Yeah, I mean, well, and this is what I think you hear, you know, Will, Willa voicing is like, you know, she's like talking about what she has heard you know, yeah. it's like a kid who will kind of repeat what they've heard their parents say at home sort of thing. It's like <laughs> she she didn't come up with these concepts and this sense of loyalty on her own. Clearly, it's something that is a part of her family. And it's like what uh-huh. she has missed are the conversations, you know, over the last few weeks where everybody in the Manderley family is like, OK, we got to play this right. You know, yeah. get Willis back. And then, you know, and then the North remembers. So, 
Do we know is Willis her? I mean, are they Willis's kids or are she and Winifred Wendell's kids? Do I you know? think the granddaughters are Wendell's, but I okay. I don't remember. I would need to look it up. I mean, it's a huge oversight on you know Vanderlee's part, and probably not to have her in the room. <laughs> Although it sounds like she's like, I mean, part of it, I you know, it kind of sounds like he knew exactly. Like he, it's not like a huge surprise <laughs> that she's yapping up, you know. So. You know, yeah. it's almost like, is he being passive aggressive in mm-hmm. a way? And, you know, like, yeah, I'll let, you know, Willa, Willa say what she wants. So it doesn't seem like, you know, we're unrealistically, you know, yes, Lord Phrase, whatever you say, you know. Maybe they're that enjoying it. That might be true. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, yeah. I'm sure they are. Like they, you know, someone's got to say it. And, you know, Willa's the only one that, you know, to Chickie's earlier point, she's the only one that can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's it's to indicate to the reader what's going on, and it's also to give some catharsis, and yeah, Gile, you might be right, it might also be the Manderleys playing it wisely, and that it would be insane for no one in the court to say, hey, wait a minute, are we sure this is how this went down? Are we down? sure they all turn into wolves, and like, you, killed, you know, you killed them all? Like, this doesn't seem likely. Like, they're giant wolves, and yet they all died? This isn't, you know, just doesn't seem to add up. Yeah. So see, uh, Raker warns that it will only be more grief and death if um, he listens to Davos. And Wyman says, wise words and true. Wyla is like, the fuck they are, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Lady Leona uh, drags Wyla away from the hall. Davos thinks, there goes my only friend. (laughs) (laughs) Manderly tells the court, I've heard enough treason for one day. He orders uh, Davos to be seized, demands his head and hands to be cut off. He wants to see his head on a spike with an onion between his lying teeth. No, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, I heard a post. Oh, when was it? Or heard, read a post, I don't know, somewhere online, like within the last year or so that was talking about how George literally has two cliffhanger chapters in a row. Because if you look back, this was the chapter before this was when Tyrion supposedly drowned, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like George was really overplaying his little mini cliffhangers. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fault them. They're fun. <laughs> I mean, this one, it's, you know, this one would be weird if it wasn't done as a cliffhanger, though. Like, because mm. you kind of have to see it from what it looks like for the phrase, I think, a little bit too, right? Like, it's got to be convincing, but yeah, it's yeah. Well, especially since this information is going to get passed back to King's Landing, right, right, right. Like they're basically putting on a, a giant, a giant play, which is, which I wonder. <laughs> I mean, there's you know they're just like writing. Well, actually, they must have the phrase must have written or sent to Raven before they um, were sent on their way to to Barrowtown, probably. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny, yeah. It's a, isn't it? Isn't it? Doesn't Wyman call this a mummer's farce in the next yeah. chapter? Yeah, yeah. And it's just you know, it's this is one of the ones where it's weird when you think like, you know, the resolution of it. Like we know that Will, you know, at this point in the books, if you know, if you've read the books, you know that Willis is freed. So you know, because he's freed in in feast. In so feast, you yeah. know, you've seen that this, you know, you've kind of seen the result of the farce here already. And again, you know, like the unintentional consequences of like everything that Jamie does, basically. <laughs> Who knows, like what's going to happen to him because he did the, you know, because he freed, 
because he freed you know Manderly here and like didn't tell him that he was being a cannibal. Oh God. <sighs> well, we assume being a cannibal. <laughs> assumed cannibal cannibalization. Assumed cannibal. <laughs> well, I think we're pretty sure, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I think I thought he knew he was a cannibal. Did he? Oh no, I don't think so. I think like Jamie specifically thinks like, you know, just. <laughs> not saying anything. I don't know. I don't know why keep that oh, secret though. Like if you're torturing people. <laughs> well, I think like I think he, you know, it's like when you see Willis and Harrenhal, he's like completely broken though, and I think Jamie oh, yeah. kind of feels like I'm not gonna like, you know, <laughs> like, there's time and a place and like this more <laughs> like hardship like bad enough like he's the big fat man starving and now you know you gotta tell him the few things he ate with people <laughs> oh god <laughs> that ain't right <laughs> oh god yeah jamie just knew this wasn't the time right. that's what i always is there ever a proper place and time to tell someone you're a cannibal <laughs> unknowingly oh, <no. laughs> Like this, is, I don't know why this is always this has come up several times in my life. But there's a conversation with people where you're like have to confess if you've ever eaten dog food. <laughs> I know that. I swear to God, I've never in my life eaten dog food. But you know, typically like eighty to like ninety percent of people, I think, have. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely did as a little kid. Yeah, I did. I ate a kibble. We didn't have a dog. <laughs> so kind of like decreased. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have it's a dog. It's weird though. It doesn't freak me out. But you know what? The, here's my situation that was close to, <laughs> to Willis Manderley. <laughs> One time when I was in Italy, I accidentally ate a horse sandwich and I didn't oh. know it. <gasps> oh, no. And I wish I'd never known. I'd be so much happier if I never knew. Now oh, I'll share awful. mine. <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as that, but I, my husband, he once cooked a romantic Valentine's meal for me, and it was like the best thing he's ever cooked. Cause he can't cook, but this was really good, and I just like was raving over it, and then I found out it was veal. <laughs> and I, oh. yeah, I was like, don't ever cook that for me again. Cook oh. <laughs> that delicious meat for me again. Anyway, uh, any any parting shots for the chapter? <laughs> oh, I just I, this is definitely one of my favorite chapters. I feel like I say that every time, but like this one really is because it's like the suspense. Like the first time I ever was reading it, how suspenseful it was. Like, no, not Davos. Like, how yes. dare they take him away? And this like, chapter, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. He's so brave, and he's so like, he's so brave. And he's so true to his cause. You know, he's so much like, he's really, I mean, he's so much like Brienne in this chapter, which I think, you know, for us probably endears him to, you know, is what endears him to us. But yeah, I mean, he's just like so strong in his conviction. But, you know, it, it's interesting because like we never see, you know, we never hear Stannis's inner thoughts. So we never know if Stannis is like has the doubts that Davos is expressing. It's sort of like hearing Stannis's words with Dan with Davos's mind, which is kind of fun, you know? Hmm. Like all the yeah. things we think that Stannis must think, like he can't, you know. Hmm. Well I just love the little insights about, you know, like how 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 Davos wants to not just serve maybe Stannis's best interest, but to serve Stannis the way that Stannis would want to be served. Oh, God, which so takes hot. a lot of guts. <laughs> That sounded so sexual. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Um, let's. Uh, do we have mail? We don't have mail, but we did have a tweet again from um, our friend Terrible Existence on Twitter, and I just wanted to bring up to a different audience. Um, you know, we kind of had a debate la- or a question last time around, you know, why we, you know, what's driving like our feelings of toward Tyrion compared to, you know, maybe George or maybe the fandom at larges, and I think we kind of landed on, you know, a lot of it was because most of us are women, and you know, we. You know, Tyrion's, like, misogyny is kind of an overriding characteristic. At least, you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. And so I just, I wanted to bring it up again um, just to see if anyone else had any additional thoughts rather than than just my thoughts. (laughs) It didn't seem fair. (laughs) What was the... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think for me, so I, you know, I started the show. I'm sorry, excuse me. You know, I had already watched the show before reading the books. So then I think reading the books ruined Tyrion for me a little bit because Mm -hmm. he is so likable in the show. And then you get to the books and you're like, oh, my God, he just like is just so not, you know, (laughs) and then I think it just it, it for me, that's that's where I'm like, I'm over Tyrion because now that has even if I, you know, talk to someone who only watches the show, I'm like, yeah, but all I now have in my head is book Tyrion. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you me. know, I could see oh. that. I could see that for a lot of people that, you know, watched the show first and had a show Tyrion impression, which is so favorable. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the most common criticisms we had throughout watching all those seasons was the whitewashing of Tyrion Lannister. It was consistent. I mean, it's it's like number 20 on my list, but, you know. <laughs> but we did talk. It's funny how much we talked about it, and yet I still had such, like, you know, I read the books first, and um, I always liked Tyrion. I mean, like, I never read him, you know, we kind of talked about this, I never read him as closely as I read, like, say, Jamie's chapters or Brienne's chapters, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, I, I, he was like, if you'd asked me like my top five favorite POVs, definitely Tyrion was one of them. Same. And, um, well, yeah. This, I mean, does that this reread in terms of his, in terms of POV, like getting away from his character, you know, did you, you know, not enjoy his POV, I guess? Yeah. You know, even, even his parts of the story were less fun though, because yeah. it's just so wretched to be in his head and really, you know, this is, we've learned this with doing these deep dives on characters, how, you know, you really have to kind of get inside the character in order to discuss them in this kind of format and, you know, really kind of think through things yeah. on a little bit deeper level. And yeah. Is he the that first one fun. that we generally like less? I mean, I feel like he is. Yeah. 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 I think so. Like even Cersei, I mean, Cersei like is a weird, you know, it's like <laughs> that term doesn't apply to her, you know, like it's enjoy or not enjoy, I guess. But she's a good example of a character who I, you know, she's repulsive as a character, but I genuinely enjoy reading her chapters. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I was going to give Cersei as an example. Like, I consider there to be two different Cerseys that are equally, like, I don't want to say likable, but they're interesting as characters as two different versions of the same character. So I'm like, I enjoy reading crazy Cersei from the books. And then I, I kind of enjoy Cersei, you know, slightly softer Cersei, at least from the, you know, earlier seasons of the show but like Tyrion it didn't work for me the same way with Tyrion 
for whatever reason. And it might have been because Peter Dinklage is just so incredibly likable yeah. that it's just, yeah, it, it makes it even harder. Because well, I actually read and watched at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. So I was already like, oh, like season one, Tyrion from the show, like, oh, he's so like, okay, kind of affable and a little bit charming. And then, you know, as I start getting ahead in the books, it just, yeah, it the disconnect was just so much greater. For me, then, I feel like when I first read the books, I didn't pick up on how like horrible everything really was until I listened to like you guys and other God. podcasts <laughs> on how like it was. And you like really realize like how bad it is. But like, I always kind of thought of it as someone who goes through a traumatic experience, like you change as a person. So I just kind of took it as like, oh, he's changing as a person. He's doing all these things and like, hopefully he's going to snap out of it and not be like, oh, so depressed. To an extent, that's that's fair, right? Yeah. And that's a really good point because I feel like I'm really extremely down and hard on Tyrion and I, you know, he has gone through you know, trauma his whole life, and, you know, I haven't. So, you know, I'm judging him from a place that, you know, he hasn't, you know, frankly, he hasn't been, and I haven't been in, to his place. So, you know, I think, you know, perhaps I'm a, I'm a little unfair to book Tyrion even. It doesn't, you know, not to, like, forgive what he does, but, you know, I think there could be more understanding just looking at, like, the trauma of his life. Mm. It's very hard to say. <laughs> I'm like, uh. <laughs> fuck your trauma. <laughs> it's not that. It's just like it. Just I don't think his trauma changes anything that he does. I mean, you know, and that's really what we're mad at him about is the way that he thinks about things and the shit that he does. Well, it's you know, and I think I don't remember. I mean, it was only a week ago, but I legit don't remember if we talked about this. But you know, I think it's really easy to compare Tyrion and Brienne in a way, and just. You know, Brienne is treated like a monster because of her her physicality. And, you know, we see in her head how that affects her and the kind of person that she is. And, you know, she's had like, I mean, I'm not going to compare what happened to her with with Red Ronnet to Tyrion and Tisha. It's not comparable. But, you know, she did have these formative experiences that would have led her to believe, you know, no one's ever going to love me. Nothing, you know, kind of the same outcome as Tyrion's. And yet we see, you know, her her strength of character and then you see Tyrion, and you know he, he. I think he doesn't have the strength of character that she does. And I don't know if it's fair for me to blame him for not having a strong, you know, for not being as strong of a character as she is. But I mean, it's part of why I don't like him because I can see how, you know, Brienne reacts to the world around her, or how Sansa reacts to the world around her. And then there's Tyrion, who you know has a, a very different reaction. I'm really glad you brought... So the first thing that popped into my mind is like, you know, Tyrion is so focused on being bitter and Brienne is focused on being better. Like, you know, she just... She has taken those experiences and is being better, not bitter. Um, But like, I think the other thing with Tyrion that, that kind of soured me on Tyrion in the books, as especially as it progresses, is it's like... Okay, and there's not a way to say this that doesn't sound, like, ableist. Is that what people, like, so he, I'm just going to say, let's just get it out there. It's like, on one hand, he's like, 
don't hate me because I'm a dwarf. I can't help it. I want to be treated equally. But then at the same time, he's like, be nice to me. Why is everybody so mean to me? Like, I do anything. I'm, you know, and it's like he wants to be and he is in some ways strong and capable and smart. And he is all of these things. But then at the same time, it's like he's mad that he's not being taken care of, but he doesn't want people to take care of him. It's like, don't patronize me. Why aren't you patronizing me? Like, (laughs) That's how I, I anyway, that's yeah, how and book I, Tyrion came across to me. I think it's sort of, when you think about his marriage to Sansa, there's a point where, you know, he's very self-pitying that, you know, she's she doesn't, you know, why she can't love me, like, why can't she, you know, why can't she see how awesome I am, basically, and he kind of blames it. It's like a very incel moment, like, he very much blames it on, well, I'm a dwarf, <laughs> and, and that's why she can't love me, and, you know, but we're also at that point in the story where if Tyrion actually wanted Sansa to love him, he would have gotten her the fuck out of King's Landing at that point. But, I mean, his other, you know, he wants to, and the same with Shay, he makes a choice that he wants to remain in King's Landing. He wants to play the game. He wants power. Like, he wants power and he wants this romantic love. And, you know, he's with Sansa oh. like maybe she could have fallen in love with him if he would have gotten her the you know hey Sansa let's go on a wedding tour to to the free cities and gotten her the f out of there like you know I think more than anything though for me it's just his entitlement when it comes especially to women it's not that he doesn't have compassion that he's learned because of you know living with a, a disability or I suppose a lot of people who have um, achondroplasia probably don't like to view it as as having a disability but because he has to live in, in a way that isn't you know the average way of living he he has experienced a lot of things and he does have a lot of compassion like you see how he identifies with john you see how he you know thinks about how life is going to change for bran and like you know he, he can have that compassion it's just you don't see him have it enough with women quite frankly <laughs> and he feels entitled to women's time and women's love. And when he doesn't get it, you know, he, he does have resentment. He even has a tiny bit of underlying resentment about having to pay for sex, you know? And it's like, I, I get it on one level. I really get it. But, you know, like I said, I think last week um, when this question came up, it's, you know, okay, well, why do you still keep insisting like with Sansa? Like, why do you feel entitled to a beautiful wife when you yourself are not beautiful? Like, why, why why can you laugh at someone yeah. marrying Lawless, you know, when in reality, you know, that's how people view you as well. I mean, like, it's just, I guess it's the double standard of yeah. of um, a patriarchal outlook that most turns me off with Tyrion. And it's funny, like, when you think about who's the woman that Tyrion, tr- who, what woman does Tyrion try to win their affections the most in his whole life? Like, there's one that clearly stands out. You mean Cersei? Cersei? Yeah, it's Cersei. Like, that's the only woman that he actively, like, tries. Well, he does try with Sansa, I think, but, you know, he knows it's a lost cause. Levels. I mean, like, it's not, and it's not that I'm saying that he at this point is doing as much overt stuff. But I mean, we well, we do see it at the end of the Storm of Swords when he literally kills Shay. I mean, that's the point where yeah, his entitlement and his pain are more important than and her life. Anything you know? else? Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Well, um, I think that's a pretty thorough investigation. Yeah. Explanation. <laughs> 
So yeah. I have a, I do have one I do have one more question for the panel quick and it's from me and it's short. Is anyone reading Fire and Blood? Oh, me, I'm listening to it on Audible. So are well, let you, me give you I've a heard fuck people no. I've heard people like say that they're enjoying it. Yeah, I really like it. Okay. I actually just said to my husband the other day, I was like, I keep reading like reviews and stuff, and it's like, ugh, I kind of want to read Fire and Blood, but yeah. God damn it, I do not want to buy it. <laughs> I'm just so resistant, but I'm like, oh, I'm I'm intrigued. Like, I do well, kind of want to yeah. know these things. And I heard that there's one like so far, I've I've heard one like tar tidbit, which is that you know some. Like one of like the whoever was the even star with I think it was with when Egg and the Conquerors on the throne had uh, triplet daughters. So we've got you know twins and triplets and both sides of the family basically <laughs> is what I'm saying. So I expect poor Brienne to be you know. I mean I feel like it's almost inevitable. I'll wait for Where the Tumblr gift sets. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I really, really, really want the next book, but it was just something, something to grab yeah, on to. something to hold you over. <laughs> no, I, I get mean, it. Yeah, I get why people are reading it. Good, I'm just, so, yeah, I'm just it's... like, fuck no, fuck no. Also, I don't give a shit about any of the content. I mean, it's like, I realize he's deliberately seeding some things in it that relate to the main series. And I, I'm saying deliberately, help. just so people will care, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Like, I just don't care. I'm just like, somebody will make a post about it right. on Reddit, and I'll the read it, and I'll it. see what was the in it. The gist yeah. of fire and blood. <laughs> exactly. I don't even need the full gist. Like, just give me the three bullet points that matter. <laughs> okay. Uh, is that it, Kyle? Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> okay. So, um, we didn't get mail this week, so you can rectify that for next week by messaging us at close the door and at gmail.com, close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can reach us at door podcast on Twitter, like, and subscribe wherever you may listen. And also please consider supporting this podcast on Patreon. I just want to thank the panel. Thank you, lovely ladies. And that'll be it. We're wrapping it up, closing the door. Get out.